0: DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destination Analysts a team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering customized travel and tourism research that is second to none for its reliability, affordability, and transparency. They not only assist their clients with the interpretation of their research results, but they architecture and execution of strategy based on that research. They also produce the State of the American Traveler Study twice each year, providing great insights into this ever-evolving sector. You can download the latest edition at DestinationAnalysts.com. And now on to our show... Our guest today is Katie Cook, the Director of Digital Marketing of Visit Austin. In this role, she oversees all digital marketing strategy, the organization's website, social media campaigns, and digital advertising. Katie is active in the Austin marketing community and speaks regularly, both locally and nationally. She serves on the U.S. Travel Association's Destinations Council, the advisory board for E-Tourism Summit, and is a founding member of Together Digital. Katie holds a degree in mass communications, public relations from Texas State University. And Katie Cook, welcome to DMOU.
1: Thank you, really happy to be here.
0: It's great to have you on board. Uh, it, it's been a number of years, about a decade. We met at one of Dave Serino's so tea conferences, which was just a great way of saying social media and tourism. So me T just made so much sense on so many different levels. But any, anyway, that was about a decade ago. And I remember how taken I was with how far ahead you were in where this relatively new platform called social media was going to drive us and I followed you ever since. So when Terry and I were putting together the topic list for the resurrection of DMOU, uh, your name was immediately etched next to digital strategy. And it's great to reconnect and get your take on where we're headed now 10 years or so um, since I first heard you speak. So When we gathered for those early T conferences, part of my presentation at that conference was on attribution, because one of the hard things we were going through at the time as DMO pros was convincing our boards and our CEOs that this was going to be a thing. And of course, any new thing, they would want to have hard numbers, and hard numbers were kind of hard to come by. So back then... My point in my presentation was more of a defensive posture. We were trying to use logic and what mattered most to decision makers to let us experiment with this new medium. A decade later, as we talked about this episode of DMOU, you say the biggest challenge is still attribution, but it's a different kind with a better tool. So, Tell me what smart DMO marketers like you are looking at today when it comes to attribution.
1: Sure. It's always interesting to think back about the the 10 years ago and when we were questioning social media if it was there to stay. Uh, So that's kind of funny to think about now, just with all the kind of taking over the world. But yeah, I think tracking our um, marketing efforts kind of has always been tricky. I mean, we're not, as DMOs, we're not being able to tie our advertising efforts to a hard sale like our hotel airline and other kind of retail partners can. So in the recent past, we really could only measure our advertising successes with like KPIs, like impressions, click-through rates, website traffic, um, and maybe conversions on our DMO websites, like, you know, requesting a visitor guide or one of those other uh, conversions that that we measure. I feel like we've really come a long way on the attribution and kind of tracking side of what we do. Um, just in the last few years, we can really measure as a DMO a lot more now with all of the data that we have available to us through various partners. Um, so working with companies you know, such as Adara, Arrivalist, Sojourn, and, and many others, we can now see success metrics of our efforts, um, including things like hotel and flight searches uh, and bookings, hotel revenue generated uh, arrivals to your market. And that's if, you know, just remember, that's not necessarily if someone clicked on your advertising, but if they were exposed to your ad and then later searched for your destination um, or booked your destination, that's all tracked through these types of technologies and partners. So, We've come a long way, um, like I said, just in the last few years um, in this in this area. Um, I just wanted to talk about a few of the things that, you know, we've learned a little bit about uh, just with this data alone in terms of um, looking at our destination. We can now see how long the trip planning window is for people searching or booking Austin. And with that information, can then decide you know, how long before an event or a season that we need to be advertising messages. We can see how long visitors are searching for hotels and flights before they book their trip to Austin. We can see what markets the visitors are coming from that stay the longest. Um, so that way we could potentially advertise to those if, if they're staying longer, they're, they're spending more money. Um, We can see the uh, markets that have never, we've never necessarily done a lot of advertising to, but they're arriving in our market. And so we've actually started advertising in a couple of those markets that we've uh, found through that to see if we can increase their length of stay and just kind of move the needle a little bit. Um, And then we can also see even down to the creative of our advertising, which of our creative is driving more arrivals and longer stay. So it's it's very impressive um, kind of how far we've come from that. And I think that the smart DMOs are um, starting to measure their marketing efforts in this way. So, I mean, my advice is anything that you can add a tracking pixel to, which is, you know, just a bit of code uh, on any of your digital marketing efforts, um, do it because you're able to learn a lot more than those traditional things like click-through rate. And I think we're just at the beginning of this area of big data. Um, I think the partners and the tools are just going to get better over time. I think we as DMOs are going to find more and more ways to um, use this to, you know, optimize what we're doing. And I predict actually that DMOs are going to hire a full-time analyst potentially to their teams in the near future, or, you know, there's more and more, I think, consulting companies kind of coming online now that can help a DMO just in this area specifically.
0: You kind of answered the question a little bit, but I'd be curious to know how much this new data has has impacted your decision making because you know, it was funny we uh, we have a service that we offer kind of a sidebar at DMO Pros called DMO Vision mm-hmm. which actually tests the efficacy of images within a video. And it's right. it's fascinating that you know, we were actually working for a golf destination. And it turns out that images of golf are the absolute worst image that you can put in a run of schedule ad or video. Bar wow. none. Nothing yeah. turns off sure. more people than a picture of golf. Now, I, that's run of schedule. You put it on the golf channel and they love it. The the very same yeah. image. But if you put it on a Seinfeld rerun, they hate it. Hmm. you got to understand that you know, this, this isn't just somebody who doesn't play golf saying, stop running golf ads. This is the consumer talking to us. So you said that you've kind of changed uh, where you market because of this. What are some of the other things that you found that caused the tactical, the, the strategic way that you market to consumers to change?
1: Yeah. So we have definitely changed um, some of the markets that we're doing our paid media in. So like I said, a couple new markets that we didn't know about, we're now doing some testing in those markets. The creative, we've still seen the creatives to be equal. So if it's a piece of music creative versus an outdoors, we've seen a lot of um, kind of, equal a uh, measurement so far. So we haven't done a lot of changes with that, but it's also great just kind of having that kind of backup to our gut uh, in terms of, of the creative. So that's also just kind of helping um, verify that what we're doing is is working and, and, and is resonating with our target audiences. You know, in terms of thinking about cities that we may, we have not advertised in because we see them more as a day trip destination and, and actually seeing those hard numbers that that, that is true um, is also another thing that, is, you know, at least kind of helped us feel good about what we've done in the past. So, yeah, I mean, there's really a lot and it's it's hard to name it all today, but uh, we've we've learned a lot just in the last two years using this kind of a data. Um, and I feel like we're going to keep learning more and, and uh, keep refining as we go.
0: So these new tracking tools that you speak of go way beyond allowing us to make just smarter uh, marketing decisions. What are some of the other ways that you and other smart DMOs are using the data to see movement of visitors once they're actually in market uh, and their visitation patterns uh, when they're in town.
1: You know, we're working with uh, a rivalist, which most people have heard about, um, and they uh, are really helping us in this area. They've allowed us to learn a lot about the visitor to the city. And keep in mind, this isn't just because they were exposed to our media. It's both that plus folks arriving just on their own it's able to measure both of those. So for those of you that may not know uh, what a rivalist is about, in addition to helping us with the marketing attribution, like I talked about earlier, it also allows DMOs um, and attractions, et cetera, to measure visitation behaviors and patterns within the city. And that's all based on location data. It, I know it sounds creepy, but it is anonymized data where you don't know Any other information besides their origin market, you don't know their street address or their name or anything like that. If that helps people feel a little better. So how we use it is we have some established POIs, points of interest in our city that we have kind of geo-fenced down to 30 feet radius, which is very impressive uh, that it's that accurate. So we have those POIs established and we're able to see in the platform arrivals to those POIs, you know, how long they're staying there, where else they're going within the city. And then, you know, which which maybe POIs have visitors from which origin market. So those are some of the things we can learn. And we've really learned a lot um, in the last couple of years with with using Arrivalist. We share this information with our stakeholders and with members of the community as it really tells the story of Austin and as a destination. If a visitor is coming to your city, both the leisure and the business side, they're exploring multiple parts of your city. They're not necessarily going to their hotel and just sitting there. They're they're exploring and going to the local businesses and and traveling all over town. And this this tool tells us that and is able to help us make the case in the city that visitors are um, spending money more than just maybe at this convention center or, or a hotel. We can see how long they stay in the city, where they're going. And we also have some data from Arrivalist that actually tells us a local visitation to a POI versus a visitor. Um, so maybe we'll know that one attraction actually has a lot more locals going to it than a visitor. Um, and not all of those attractions are able to measure that because they're not necessarily uh, selling tickets. So it's really helping us tell the story. And there's other DMOs that are doing some pretty interesting things with this type of data. I know that the smart people at, you know, Denver and Puerto Rico, Fort Worth, they're all um, using it in various ways.
0: And one of those ways, honestly, could be to influence policy decisions. Correct? Right. I mean, if we have this data and and we want to say, you know something, if, if we were to, you know, you know, there's a section of town that people are actually starting to discover because there's, there's like a whole maker's kind of vibe going on there, but the entryway and exits to that section of town really suck. You could take that information to city council and say, hey guys, um, we are not exactly putting our best face forward here. Can we clean up the entryway into this new neighborhood and make this the next hotspot of the destination?
1: Right. I think that that's the power of it is not just keeping it internally with the staff, but actually um, sharing it uh, with like stakeholders and, like you said, the community or, or city uh, leadership to, to help make cases or um, kind of advocate for uh, the impact of tourism.
0: Yeah, and that's why I love this new availability of big data because it works. I love things that work on multiple levels. I mean, A, it's going to make us smarter as marketers, but B, it could actually help us with destination development if used properly. That's so, correct. very and very it's, cool.
1: It's not necessarily always a quick process as you know with destination development and advocacy it could it take could take years but it's a this is a powerful tool for us all to use. All
0: right, question number 3. New technologies and applications are unveiled every day if not every hour. Um, some will be must-have assets in the future. Some will generate incredible buzz and opportunity like Periscope. What the hell? (laughs) I thought that was going to be so big. (laughs) And they just fall flat. So what do you see around the next corner that has you excited? And also, what's around the corner that has you worried?
1: Yeah, it's very true in the last 10 years, and especially thinking of things like social media and other types of digital platforms, a lot of them have come and gone. One of my favorites was uh, Goala. I don't know if if you've heard of that one, but it was based here. It started here in Austin uh-huh. and it competed with the Foursquare. So it was another check-in app. Their team was actually b- uh, bought by Facebook. So they're no longer an RIP Goala because they were one of my favorites. So these days it, it seems to be there's less uh, kind of startup and companies and social media apps uh, coming on board like there were kind of in those early days. But I feel the platforms that were all um, using a lot, like Facebook and Instagram being the most popular, they're making changes all the time. And it's kind of exhausting to keep up with all the things that they're doing and all the changes they're making um, as a marketer. Um, and we're seeing more and more consumers, you know, really wary of data privacy, trust and, you know, advertising is maybe at an all time low. So I think we have to keep those things in mind as marketers, um, whether it's new legislation like the GDPR data, privacy or web browsers that have, you know, ad blockers built in, we're having to pay attention and shift our tactics um, with those uh, developments. So it's always an interesting thing to to, to follow along with that and, and really having to keep on top of it um, and adjust as we go. But, you know, there is less and less trust um, out there when it comes to data. Uh, and so that's another area that I think DMOs are having to um, really watch and maybe have outside counsel on is things like uh, data privacy policies. And, you know, you may not know this about me, Bill, but I am actually really fascinated with differences and behaviors of generations. I'm a proud Gen Xer and I'm, uh, I've am i always been fascinated to hear about uh, the younger generations We hear a lot, we still hear a lot about millennials at conferences, which I feel like we should be getting getting past that because the new generation that's starting to enter the workforce um, and starting to travel is Gen Z. Gen Z is uh, born in the late 90s. So the oldest of them are now in their early 20s. um, And they're really different than the millennials. They're true digital natives. Their media consumption is really different. They watch very little TV. And they're on YouTube all the time. Their celebrities are the YouTube influencers. So I can tell you that, you know, they're not on Facebook. They're not engaging with our traditional advertising. So we're really, I feel like as marketers having to, you know, once, especially once they get a little older, really having to adjust maybe some of our strategies uh, to reach that audience in a different way. A couple of weeks ago, I, I overheard my Gen Z son, who's 15, um, tell his little sister how to add ad blockers to her iPad, uh, which, as a marketer, made me really nervous. But I guess as a mom, I felt pretty, I felt pretty proud of that. But I think that that's that's kind of that's the generation they they understand this and they're not a, they're not going to take to just a traditional ad. So that's a new thing for us all to watch for sure.
0: So you mentioned Instagram a, a moment ago. Yeah. Your thoughts on their proposed removal of the like? button?
1: So as a mom, again, I'm playing the mom hat in the marketer. As a mom hat, it does <laughs> make me feel. <laughs> that's we, I do that all day, right? I, it makes me feel good because I know there's a lot of identity of of younger people uh, to what they're posting on Instagram and is it being liked by enough of their friends. But yeah, as a marketer, I, I'm hoping that there's still a way in our insight kind of back end to be able to see that engagement uh, to really be measuring it. Cause we've been measuring it for, a, you know, quite a few years now. So I am a little nervous about that going away completely.
0: Yeah. The other day I saw a study that one of those down and dirties that you see pop up and, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily accurate, but it said that uh, most people don't care if likes go away on other people's posts, Right. but they definitely don't want them to go away on theirs because it's self-validation.
1: It is. And even for, I mean, uh, even for us who are posting our images, we want to, we do want to see if it's something that uh, our our followers are engaging with. And so that's, if that goes away, that's a little bit harder to do. Yeah.
0: All right. Time for the bonus round. We all have bucket lists of the destinations that we long to visit. And it turns out that you have just returned from one of the otter bucket lists that I have. (laughs) I was the geekiest kid in high school. And when all my friends were out, you know, being juvenile delinquents, I was listening to shortwave radio trying to score the farthest away point from my bedroom that I could score. And Guam was one of them. And I've always had this image of, I want to go to Guam one day. You've been. Yes. Tell us about Guam.
1: Yes, I just got back from Guam a couple weeks ago. It wasn't my first time there. I actually have family in Guam. Uh, My grandmother uh, and a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Uh, Most people don't, a lot of people don't know that it's a US territory just like Puerto Rico. So it's, um, it is a a US location. Uh, It's, Fairly small, no but,
0: passport needed. No
1: passport needed, except it's always <laughs> easier to get through security with that. <laughs> it's pretty small, about two hundred and uh, like fifteen square miles. Just beautiful. It's it. Most people don't know that actually tourism is is the biggest uh, industry there. They have a lot of visitors from. Japan, South Korea, Philippines, the U.S. They're just you know a lot closer um, over to, to Asia, so that's where most of their visitors come from. But really, only a small portion of that island is is kind of built up in terms of hotels and um, high end retail. It, there's a lot of still undeveloped um, areas of that of that island, and it's a truly beautiful place that I highly recommend. It's a bit of a trek to get there in terms of, the, you know, the air the air hours that you're on the airplane, but it's a, it's a lovely place and I definitely would recommend it to anyone.
0: Well, it's still on my list and now it's kind of moved like four or five positions up. I think so, <laughs> That's great. I've, I've always wanted to be there and and, and your recommendation uh, carries a lot of weight. Yeah. So thank you so much, Katie. It, it's been a, it's been fun to, uh, to share some of your insights into where we're going in the digital age it's one of those topics that it's hard to have a crystal ball but your crystal ball is probably uh, more accurate than most so thank you so much i always feel smarter after i hear you talk
1: oh well thank you bill that was it was great to be a part of it and i uh I look forward to all of your other podcasts that you put out too i learn a lot from them
0: great thanks that's why we do it we're having a great time getting this thing uh, back up and running as a podcast uh dmou was always close to our heart back in the days when we started it as a cassette and CD series. <laughs> and it's just so much easier. Everything's much easier right now in the digital age. So um, it's great that uh, that you're on board for this one. So that's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers that this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Destination Analysts. A team of travel industry experts, widely known for their pioneering customized travel and tourism research, that is second to none for its reliability. The most recent State of the American Traveler is out, and you can find it and download the latest edition at DestinationAnalysts.com. DMOPros.com is where you will find links to our services for the DMO sector, including links to the Z News, our knowledge bank, videos, blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMOPros.com. I am your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.